Testing one, two. Testing one, two. Testing one, two, three, and we are a go. everybody welcome to another episode of the lonely heart sports podcast it's me jerry your host i've got jake with me once again obviously uh, we've got a lot to talk about today but before we go into everything we have to cover once again sir how are you doing today i'm doing great today you know i just had another relaxing day got on the golf course so wasn't can't complain about that ever no, not at all. And speaking of golf, we have the P- the PGA tournament, PGA championship going on right now down in Kauai Island in South Carolina on the ocean course. Just want to talk about that a little bit. That's where we will start off. And I will have you kick things off talking about that. All right. So, yeah, it's the second major of the year for the PGA, as most people like to think. And I like to think as well, this is the most or this is the least favorite major of the year. I mean, when you go to Augusta, when you go to the Masters, I mean, you just got that historic course, Augusta. When you go to the U.S. Open, you're always looking for that long course. Um, players just struggling just because how far the course is. Then you got the uh, the British Open, which clearly just always play a length course. And the PGA Championship is still, to me, in my opinion, is still struggling, struggling Excuse me, to find its identity. I know, actually, this year it has done a pretty good job from what I've seen um, of the like previews and stuff, the wind is blowing very hard, and this course is playing very long today. I mean, as it stands right now, we're recording um, at 5 p.m. on Thursday. Um, right now, we got Keegan Bradley, uh, Victor Hovland, Brooks Kepka, and Aaron Weiss, all who had finished the rounds already, and they're only at a minus three, which is typically good looking at a golf standpoint because um, it only gets harder from here. So if you're at minus three on the first day for the leaders, I mean, I know some people are still still playing still on the course, but – uh. Most of those, there's some pretty big names up there that have only shot minus three so far. Um, but like I said, number I was number 17 this week is going to play disasters, especially with the wind in the face. Um, coming down the stretch on Sunday, that'll be a nice hole to look for. I mean, today I've saw a couple of guys put the ball in the water already. Um, in the practice rounds, a bunch of guys are trying to hit three wood cuts. It's playing like it's. It says that today it was playing two thirteen. It's more playing at around 250 with the heavy wind in your face. I know the wind today and in the practice rounds has been blowing like 15 to 20 miles an hour, which is significant. So maybe this could be a start for the PGA Championship to find their identity, make it a windy course. I get with the U.S. Open plays longer. Um, I know when they play Pebble at the U.S. Open, that's always a windy course. But any of these courses on the ocean are always just going to be windy. So that's nice to see that it's actually making players struggle this year. Um, I hate seeing uh, – I hate seeing all of these major tournaments where players are coming in minus 19, minus 20. I'd rather see a finish where the uh, lead, the winner might finish at like a minus 9 to a minus 11. Um, that way, you know, the course played hard and tough. But um, no, it's, so it's going to be an interesting weekend for sure. I know a couple of the players li- like playing with the win, so hopefully that helps them. One of the guys being Patrick Reed. Um, however you would like to feel about Patrick Reed, I know a lot of guys are hate him, um, but I mean, Guy always has media around him. Whether it's good or bad, you can't complain. And then Scotty Shifley is another player who loves playing with the wind. So I look for those two to make a push towards Saturday and Sunday. Um, granted, if they make the cut, but I would look for 
two of my favorites for to win this tournament so far, just based on them like playing with the win. I know a lot of these guys are have been struggling with it. I've been watching a little bit today. This course is playing tough. I mean, even oh. even uh DeChambeau came out and said this is the hardest course he's ever played. Um, you can see it on the broadcast with the player shirts flying around how just how windy it is there. So it'll be an interesting weekend. I'm excited to see how Sunday comes down to because again, it is a major. Granted, it's probably the least talked about major of the year, but still a major, no doubt. And hopefully, we get to see some interesting golf coming down uh, that back nine on Sunday. Oh yeah, no, without a doubt. I mean, coming into this turn, coming into this tournament, obviously, like like you said, the PGA Championship like really isn't talked about a lot. Um, as much as the other three majors. So with that being said, I mean, like, you know, it's, you're right there. They're still trying to find their identity, still trying to gain the popularity of the other three majors, uh, especially coming off, especially like, you know, coming off of the masters, like you're, you're in between the masters and the U S open, which obviously the masters with its lore and, you know, just the beauty of the tournament. And then the U S open, which is the hardest, tournament the hardest major of them well actually i'll say it's the second hardest major after the open i would uh it's kind of like one in one a there so the pga championship is like you said trying to find its identity um this year they're out on the ocean course at Kauai island their first time there since 2012 uh due to the rotation that due to the rotation that they have uh, with a 10-year rotation going from going to different courses and like you said, uh, wind is playing a huge factor right now as we're recording. There's uh, most of the players have finished up their first round being out there since 730 in the morning. But uh, you can see now that the wind is playing a huge factor for many of the golfers that are out on the course this afternoon and could play a huge factor going through the rest of the way throughout the tournament. And one thing that I that I noted that I saw and heard this morning uh, was that almost every hole you're going to be playing to with the wind in your face or with the wind behind you, except for hole five. Uh, if I'm correct there, I uh, was, I was like, I was watching uh, some early morning coverage about uh, on ESPN. And uh, one of the announcers had men mentioned that. Um, so that's something I find intriguing there. That's 17 of the 18 holes you're go for at least today. Uh, as we're recording on Thursday, you're going to find some wind, the wind playing some sort of factor there. Um, but honestly, um, from what I've been seeing, from what I saw previewing, uh, like in terms of previews before the tournament started, like they were actually talking about like how Bryson DeChambeau would be able to adapt to the course going off what you said, how he said it was the most difficult course he's played on. But that's also because, like, he kind of just drives the ball 350 yard, 350 to uh, 400 yards down, uh, down, down a hole, and uh, you know, really doesn't have much, doesn't really have much to uh, do after that in terms of adapting to his game. So he's tried to make adjustments and whatnot. And I remember reading and hearing, see, reading and seeing, like, you know, okay, like, is Bryson going to be able to adapt to the course, or will the course be able to? Uh, you know, conform to like how Bryson plays his game currently. So that's a couple of things that I was thinking about right there. Um, yeah, no, uh, just to jump in on your Bryson talk there. Um, this is this course is kind of, in a sense, playing like Augusta would because you see all these fairways. A lot of these fairways aren't flat. Um, the greens are very undulated, and most of the greens are very like 
they're kind of like i guess you could say for all you non guard kind of like playing like a mountaintop i guess where it comes everything is going right towards the top and the greens if you go left to right on them are just sloping back down so that's why a reason you see bryson struggle at a course like augusta and probably this weekend as well because that this is why bryson ate wing foot alive last year to win the u.s opens because just how far he can hit the ball and then he can just just kind of chunk it out of the rough whatever he needs to do because he's already so far ahead of the people but when bryson gets to a course like this he struggles just because bryson's wedge game isn't the greatest yet and his putting is hit or miss depending on the week the only thing he has is to hit that drive line and this week it might come into it might help him just with the wind but it's also going to hurt him just in the fact that the fairways, how they're playing, how definitely how these greens are playing because they're looking tough already. But I just wanted to jump in there and say that about Bryson because, yeah, people love to see him on social media just pounding the ball. But there's other aspects of the golf game that like a lot of non-golfers don't like to think about. So I, w- I would look to see him. He'll probably struggle this weekend. I think he finished. I think he's tied like 30th or something right now. A lot of guys are even. I think he's right in that mix. Or he might even be plus one. Um, yeah, Bryson DeChambeau finished even today, so yes, it'll be interesting uh, to see. Yeah, no, definitely without a doubt. I mean, uh, I saw, like, he didn't start out too well. I, like I said, I was watching this morning, uh, you know, his first tee shot, got, hit it right into the, his first tee shot, a uh, bad tee shot off the get-go, and uh, that kind of had a telltale of, like, how the round would go for him right then and there. He was plus two at one point. He was plus two at one point, so for him to finish even, uh, considering he was at plus two at one point, is... Uh, is a good finish there. Um, uh, but the thing is, though, it's like, you know, this is like you said, this is a course that he'll struggle at. Uh, he'll have to make some modifications to how he uh, plays his game right now uh, so he can try and be in contention uh, for the weekend if he makes the cut. But uh, going off of that, going off of that, I mean, you know, it was good. It's uh, good to see Brooks Kepka and Keegan Bradley and Victor Hovland, uh, how they started out today, uh, with my, at, atop the leaderboard at minus three, shooting a six, shooting a 69 to end the first round. But the thing is, though, is like, you know, it's only Thursday, golf tournaments are four days long, and honestly, and honestly, how, and how many times do we see somebody that's atop the leaderboard on Thursday? actually like win on sunday like go wire to wire for the most part oh, yeah, that, that's the thing is because the course plays so much harder every single day because these greens keepers and the superintendents know what they're doing but they know how to place the tee boxes either further back however they want it to play and clearly moving to pins every single day is getting to a harder and harder location that's why you see a bunch of the guys at the top of the leaderboard now some of them might not even make the cut because most of the days, like the group uh, course is playing easier than it will be going into Saturday and Sunday. And that's when you see these good golfers. I mean, don't get me wrong. They're all great golfers. They're on tour for a reason, playing in a major. But that's how you see the big names typically win a major because they know how to adapt their game to that. But with a course like this is you can't adapt to wind. As all the analytics that go into it, all golf and everything, like all of these people, like the analytics guys, yes, it is an analytical game. But at the end of the day, if the wind is swirling, say it might be like five to 10 mile an hour on the ground, but these guys are hitting the ball 150 to 250 feet in the air. The wind is swirling a lot different up there than it is down here. So that's why I see a bunch of these guys like, yeah, they're all on tour for a reason. They know how to hit the shots, but the good players know how to, how the wind is swirling up there and how to play the shots at that point. 
Exactly, because the wind can, because the, the not just the wind, but the weather itself can be so very unpredictable, and uh, it can change throughout the day. It, the wind can change throughout the day. The weather can change throughout the day, and that's what makes golf. Uh, that's what makes golf uh, entertaining, as it is, in my opinion. You know, uh, and and going off of what something of what you said earlier about how like you don't want to see like you know golfers uh, be like up in the be. 15 below par and even lower than that uh even though that would you know that would go and show like oh these guys are dominant golfers like just beating beating this course up but the thing is though is like you said for majors like you want to see tougher courses you want to see the wind you want to see wind weather play a factor you want to see these you want to see these golfers adapt to make adapt adaptations make modifications to their game and you know show that they're struggling with the course while at the same time be trying to be in contention for not not only this major but the other majors uh in the calendar year as well and that's eventually like what it comes down to because like you said there are people that have been here done that before compared to others that you know it may be their first time here at Kauai Island or maybe they're like second time in the P- participating in a major or they may have only participated in the PGA championship like three times before before this year or something like that you know whereas you have guys like Rory McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, uh, you know, uh, Brooks Kapka, those type of people they're seasoned pros at being able to do this and you know going off for that um uh Exactly. And you look at, sorry to interrupt again, but if you look at a guy like uh, back in 2012, you look at a guy like Rory McIlroy who won at Kauai Islands by, uh, he won by eight strokes there. So there's another guy to look for as a favorite just because he's been there. He knows how this course plays. So he beat, he beat everybody else in the field by eight strokes. That is a lot of strokes in golf. So yeah. that'd be a guy I look for to come make a run. But yeah, like, like you were saying about the course, like you like to see these major courses playing tougher and seeing guys shoot more towards that that minus one minus two a day that's what makes you go phone you see the course being harder because it's not as funny you go see guys out there with the new equipment guys have today with all the ball technology and the club technology you don't like to see them kill the course you like to see the course kill them and that's when you like to people enjoy watching off is you get to see these guys who have been doing this their whole life who love the game who are the best at the game and what they do kind of struggle it makes it, it makes them more a human Exactly, exactly, because we know that technology plays a huge factor in the clubs and in the balls and everything because of the modifications that are done to the equipment over the years obviously gives an advantage to the golfers. Uh, but at the same time, like we were, uh, you know, I, I don't like seeing, you know, I, as long as it's entertaining, you know, I, I want an entertaining major. I don't want to see, you know, somebody kind of running away with it and nobody catching up to them. And like the fr- like, you know, like from Thursday on, like if it gets to like sun, like Saturday, like if we're on Saturday, you know, Saturday, early Sunday, it's close that it's close there, you know, kind of like have a couple guys like tied or like, you know, somebody's like one or two back or and but then if they start to somebody starts to pull away late on Sunday, then that's fine. I don't I don't want to see people kind of somebody just like destroying a course and the field uh, and the field because that makes for a boring tournament, in my opinion. And at the same time, like it kind of makes for a boring tournament if everybody's just destroying the course as well. Although the competitive factor will be that, you know, if, if everybody's destroying the course, we're going to have high scores. And everybody's kind of like one, they're one another. So it's like a catch-22 in a way. 
But going off of Rory there, that's it. That, I'm glad you brought that up there because I was actually going to say that I would consider Rory McIlroy to actually be one of the favorites to win here at uh, Kauai, given the fact that he won the last time that they were here uh, back in 2012. Back in 2012. So back in back uh, not 2012. Uh, back eight years ago. Um, uh, so he won back in eight years ago or whatever. He, the last time they were here, he won by eight strokes. Uh, and like you said, he ran away with the field there, kind of uh, made the, the course, kind of made the course, uh, you know, his bitch and he made the field look like his bitch too. Uh, but uh, another exactly. part, that's uh, when Rory was in his primal. I mean, that was when back in those days is when Rory to everybody was looking like the next tiger who's just going out there, blowing out the fields and winning all these majors. And now, since then, he kind of hit this, like, wall, really. And he just oh. hasn't been the same since. I mean, he won, I think it was two or three weeks ago now. He won a tournament. So, he's probably got – he's got some good mojo going in here. I, get, I know he shot plus three today. But, like I said, you look at these big names and just expect them to make the cut. Um, but, I mean, and then again, you could go look at Augusta. And DJ, who was the defending champ, didn't even make the cut at Augusta. But that's how much different the course, I guess, played from a November to an April major, which is crazy to me. Exactly. Exactly. Without doubt, another person that I'm ta- that I'm taking a look at too is uh, Jordan Spieth, and I know that like you know talking about Spieth, like you know his he started out like a ball of fire, and then like you know he kind of just like hit a brick wall for a brick wall for four years going without a win until a few weeks back, uh, and then he like was and then like he was kind he was kind of in contention at the Masters, but I, I feel like Spieth is finding his foot again. Uh, he's from watching what I'm watching and seeing like what I'm like how he's doing now. He's doing pretty well for himself. Uh, right now he's in uh, the group. He's in a group of Will Zalatoris, the runner up at the Masters. Uh, but uh, I feel like you know if he can find continue to find his groove, you know he could e- easily make the cut into the weekend, and you know just uh, keep adapt making the modifications and adaptations uh, to as how the weather, wind, and the course play out as the days go on and maybe we can see him there. Maybe I want, maybe, 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 maybe win the whole thing. But uh, I feel like Jordan Spieth could have at least a top 10, top, top 10, top seven finish maybe uh, just because of how he is starting to find his game again. But Dude, that'd uh, be nice. I mean, everyone is always looking for that next in golf. They're always looking for that next tiger. But then again, it's hard because now you get to see kind of how dominant tiger really was in his era. Like, and, like Compa- people who like love Tiger, you kind of like it's even like a Gretzky thing or like a Jordan thing. Where I was looking for the next best thing, but it's like I get in basketball, maybe it's a little closer with LeBron, whatever. I don't want to get into basketball right now, but like I was looking for the next best thing. But it just goes to show how dominant he was, and now not even just how dominant, but uh, how all good these players actually are nowadays. So oh yeah, we might not ever see that again. No, exactly. These golfers that we're seeing right now, like I, like we mentioned, Kapka, Rory, Spieth, uh, and we also talked about Hovland. You know, co- up and coming. Uh, we've also talked about. We've also talked about uh, Colin Mo- Colin Morikawa, the uh, defending champion from uh, last year. Uh, he's right up there right now too. Even Dustin Johnson, we talked about briefly. Like most of these guys here, you know, they've been there. They they've won tournaments. They 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 compete week in and week out where they are wherever they're at. Uh, so. 
these are all names that you can keep an eye that for the most part keep an eye out on um and they've won majors and you think that they're the next big thing in golf but it just goes to show that like you know if they hit a brick wall somebody else somebody else is willing to take their place but going off of everything that we just mentioned there um who do you think will win the pga championship here at Kauai? Well, while we're speaking, actually, Corey Connors just took the lead with minus four. Um, like I said, I'm, we're watching it live right now, me and Jeremy. Corey Connors had just taken the lead. But like I said, my favorite, no, I didn't say his name yet. But, well, I, Rory's going to be up there. I mean, it'll be nice to see Zal Torres get a win. Um, but I think Kepka could make a run. I mean, he's just coming back from his injury, and he looks really good today shooting minus three. I believe the last time he played was at Augusta, and that was I think he rushed back after his surgery just because he wanted to play there so badly. Um, so I would keep an eye on Kepka, who is currently in second now. But um, no, it's I would say either probably Kepka would be nice to see Zal Torres, but I would like to see the runner-up Kyle Morikawa win it again. Um, very young kid, I love the kid. If you ever seen any videos on YouTube or anything, he's great. But my favorite to win the tournament right now is Victor Hovland. Um, the kid is a stud. Um, I think he will come down to the end and win this thing, in my opinion. It was nice to see Hovland win one for one, a major. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, Victor Hovland is a good up-and-coming golfer there. Like you said, right now he's minus three. Uh, just one back as we're watching live in the first round right now. Uh, but uh, just based on how he's been so consistent as of late, and like you said, like we said, up-and-coming, just flat-out stud uh, for the game of golf, uh, I can see him being in contention going into Sunday. Um, I don't think... I don't think that he will – I don't think that he'll win, but I feel like he could finish in the top five, honestly. Something is telling me that I think Jordan Spieth will win, will win uh, the PGA Championship. I feel like this is the tur- – I feel like this is the tournament that uh, Spieth could – I know that Spieth's already finally ended his four-year drought, and he has been trying to find to, – still finding his groove and whatnot. But uh, I feel like that Spieth – if Spieth can put together a good – a good first couple of rounds, and by that I mean like he's not like at the top of the leaderboard, but I feel like if he's like in the top seven, top ten range in the first couple of rounds, if – going into Saturday, I feel like he can make a charge and make a charge on Saturday to get him right into where he needs to be on Sunday, probably like in the second to last or final pairing on Sunday where he can see where he could win here, win at Kauai, kind of like how we won, kind of like how he won the uh, 2017 British Open. He kind of wasn't really there on Saturday, like, but then all of a sudden, like he made a charge on the third day that on the third day on Saturday. And that's how he ended up winning the Claire jug. He never looked back from there. So if he has a tournament like that, I feel like he could win uh, the PGA. But well, yeah, that's, uh, the, that's the fun thing about golf is typically that leader going into Sunday is not the guy who wins the tournament. It's typically a guy who's sitting middle of the pack and just makes that run on Saturday into Sunday or just even that run on Sunday. Um, so it's always fun to see if they will be able to keep that run going. But it always comes down to that back nine. Like I said, this back nine this week is playing very hard even from day one. So it'll be fun to see who actually comes out with it. Exactly. No, without a doubt. I'm looking forward to seeing how the rest of the tournament plays out. Uh, obviously, like, you know, being only Thursday, day one, uh, you know, like we've got like Thursday, the pretenders show up. Uh, the contenders kind of just find their groove on the course for the most part. Uh, Friday, 
you know, kind of Friday's trying to Friday's putting in your place, trying to make the cut. And then obviously Saturday is moving day. Then we see who the real contenders of the tournament are. And then even in the Sunday, we still kind of see like who the real contenders are going into the going into that back nine. But overall, I'm looking forward to this tournament uh, as it plays out, even though it is the uh, least popular of the four majors in golf. But uh, do you have any other thoughts on the PGA Championship before we move on to our next topic, sir? No, no not really. But we just got to appreciate that it is a major. So whoever will win, kudos. We'll know next Wednesday when we record our next podcast. But uh, it'll be a fun weekend for sure. Majors in golf are always fun, no matter what it is. So it'll be interesting to see who comes out on top. Oh, yes, without a doubt there. So with that, I want to move into our next topic and finally discuss – the NFL schedule, talk about the NFL schedule. I want to talk about our the schedules for both of our teams. I want to discuss some key matchups that we think that, that are happening in the 2021 season in the NFL. And also just talk about a game or two that we are excited for the most. Uh, I know that the schedule came out uh, about a week or two ago, but with timing of, and recording of our podcast, uh, we're just getting ready. We're just getting to talk about it now. Uh, I know this is something that you have been looking forward to, uh, the release of the schedule, and I know that I was as well, and I'm glad that we finally can talk about it now. But uh, I once I will have you start off first because, like I said, I want us to go into both of our team's schedules and talk there. So I'll have you talk about the schedule for the Bills and uh, what you're looking forward there and maybe even like a prediction of uh, record. Oh, yeah, so this year – Thankfully, the Bills have a much easier schedule than they did last year. I think in strength of schedule, uh, the Bills are sitting at, uh, I think we're tied for 23rd with the Colts. Um, so that's good going into last year, I think, where we had one of the toughest ranked uh, schedules in the, uh, the league. So it'll be nice to see the Bills get an easier schedule. But thankfully, this year, it's held on. I mean, we open up the season with the Steelers. Um which is always a fun game. I mean, we beat them two years ago uh, to get us into playoffs, um, to clinch playoffs. Last year, we blew them out. I think it was a was a Monday night. It was either – it was a primetime game. I can't remember exactly what day it was. I remember we played them in primetime. It was uh, Sunday night. It was, it was, it was, thank it was, you. It was Sunday night game. Yep, we kicked their ass once again. So we opened up the season with them. And then we just – the next two, three weeks really after that, if the Bills can open up a win – I really think we could start out five and zero, or excuse me, four and zero, because we go we go the Steelers, Dolphins, Washington, and then the Texans. So I mean, I in my opinion, we could beat all four of these teams, and then the Bills on October tenth in a primetime game, uh, we play the Chiefs. We go Chiefs Titans back to back in primetime games, which will be both games to me will be very very interesting. I think the Bills of this year, um, considering everything why we lost last year with everything with COVID that happened, how they had to push back the game. And then the Bills went right from the Texans or from the Titans or the Chiefs. They went from the Chiefs game right into the Titans game. So it was just a complete mess with the NFL schedule. Thankfully, this year, everything pending, knock on wood. Um, we wanted to deal with any COVID issues or anything. So we played them back to back, which will be fun. But in my opinion, I really think we could go 15 and 2 this year, 14 and 3, maybe. I think we sweep the AFC East again. I think we can beat every team both times, uh, the Patriots, Dolphins, and Jets. I think we will go 6-0 and against them. Um, but we played the Buccaneers. We see Tom Brady and the Buccaneers December 12th. Um, 
I believe that game is down in. Yeah, that game is down in Tampa. So weather won't play in effect, but clearly Brady would have known how to play in the weather if that happened. But on my favorite game for the year, the Bills got another. It's not my most anticipated game of the year because I want to see the Bills play the Chiefs again. The Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes matchup will be interesting for the next probably if everything pending, yeah, like the decade. So that will always be fun to see. So that's my favorite game for the Bills just because I want to see Josh Allen beat Patrick Mahomes. Um, but we do play the Buccaneers December 12th. So it will be nice to see us play Tom Brady again. Hopefully kind of get that little that little like thing off our back. I don't know the saying. The, the chip off the shoulder, the monkey off the back. The monkey off the back, thank you. Uh, see the, us beat Tom Brady. Um, see Josh Allen beat him. But we play the Saints Thanksgiving night at 820, which is – I mean, if you saw the NFL's ratings when the Bills played the Cowboys two years ago in uh, – in um, uh, Thanksgiving, Dallas. it was the most watched Thanksgiving game in a long time. So hopefully we can get another good Thanksgiving game and beat the Saints down there in the Superdome. That'd be nice. But I really think the Bills could go fifteen and two to fourteen and three this year. In my opinion, I really don't see. I mean, we're playing the NFC South this year. Um, I don't see them giving us too much issues. We got the Falcons, the Panthers, the Bucks, and the Saints. So I don't see them giving us too much of issues. I think most people can agree with me there. I I really – it's going to sound confusing to say, but like I said, 15-2, and 14-3 is kind of that milestone now for me. I don't see us really losing to anyone else. I mean, we'll beat the Colts, I believe. I don't think Trevor Lawrence and the Jags are going to give us any issues, and I really do think we could beat the Titans this year. Like I said, I think our losses will be if they – we have them, it would be to the Chiefs and the Buccaneers. I think that would be our two losses if we're going off of that. Okay. I mean, I see exactly where you're coming from. And I, you know, honestly, like with your expectations, I mean, given how given how last season they were one one game away from reaching their first Super Bowl in over twenty five in over twenty five years. Uh I, I I see exactly where you're coming from with your expectations, given the strength of schedule, given the quality of the opponents, uh, and just given the overall talent of the Bills roster compared to other opponents uh, that they're playing. Uh, I mean, I would not, I wouldn't be surprised. Like honestly, 13, four, 13, 14 wins would be possible for me, uh, for for the Buffalo Bills. In my opinion, honestly, just given their overall talent uh, and also just the strength of schedule, given off of how teams performed last season. So but that could this could also vary based on if if and when the Bills do clinch playoffs because it is a 17 game schedule now this year. So I mean, if we clinch playoffs by say week week 14 then just not start our starters, then clearly it could change. But if we clinch AFC East, I don't see our players. If we clinch it early, I don't see our players playing that much. So I like that ours it could vary. Like if we're if say if we were 15 and 2. Yeah, no. pace, it could vary, but I think that's where if the stars played every game, I think that's where we will be at. Yeah, no, I agree with you wholeheartedly there because with it being a 17-game season, they're like, oh, let's make the games tougher. Let's make it uh, a harder season and whatnot and everything. And um, uh, with that being said there, I mean, it's just more along the lines of, uh, you know, how the teams actually perform and whatnot, uh, given just given, you know, how the season will progress on a uh, season, season, seasonal basis for the most part. 
And then it's just a matter of uh, how the how, just a I'm the division, the division for the most part, just how the division games go. Obviously, beating the Jets should be no problem. Uh, I think it'll be more along the lines of uh, whether or not uh, how you play against uh, Miami and even New England, and even New England actually in a way because you know. And I'm not trying to hype up the Patriots. I'm really not, but uh, you know. They made some big money moves. They did, um, but my thing is still their quarterbacks just – all right, say Cam Newton doesn't get the start and Mac Jones does. I don't think Mac Jones comes into Buffalo with the defense that we have and the fans there. I don't see him taking our game at home, and I still think we can shut them down in Foxborough if needed. If Cam Newton plays, they got him weapons, but he, he showed last year he can't make the throws he needs to. So just it doesn't bother me. Oh, I, I agree with you there. I mean, you know, I'm not trying to pull like a Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman here. No, no, I, under, I understand. But I just don't see how the Patriots can beat us. And no, no, I think. I, I, I might just be a conceited Bills fan. And well, I think that the Bills have a good chance of beating, of sweeping the Patriots in the season series. I do think the Patriots will play tough games against the Bills, though, because those games. like oh, yeah, you, play, you play any game tough in division, though, because you know those teams. Yeah, you know those teams. You it's see them twice like, a year, so. It, even the Jets somehow find a way to play the Bills tough, at least in one of the two games. Uh, but uh, I think the toughest division opponent for you guys will be the Miami Dolphins. That's just my opinion. There. Oh, yeah, that, that'll be, they'll be our toughest opponent for the next couple of years because Miami is a very good young team, and they could give us issues like a year or two down the road, in my opinion. Exactly. exactly. They'll be back like in the 90s when the Bills and the Dolphins were just the two powerhouses of this division. Yeah, Kelly and Marino. Yeah, now you're going back a ways there. But uh, I mean, overall, yeah, I see the Bills like going anywhere, having anywhere between thirteen, having anywhere between thirteen and fifteen wins. Uh, shouldn't be, uh, shouldn't be. Uh, I wouldn't say it's like going to be a walk in the park, but it shouldn't be too bad, too hard for them to achieve that. Easily clinching the AFC East once again, and it all just depends on like uh, what their road to the playoffs would be after that. Uh, but uh, kind of want to go into uh, just taking a look at my team now and see, and just, you know, talking about the Giants' schedule. Um, uh, they start off at home against Denver, which, you know, is kind of a surprise to me. You know, you, every year as a Giants fan, uh, at least, especially the past, like, decade or whatever, I'm always anticipating week one to be either against the Cowboys or the Eagles playing on five. Isn't, like, isn't that a preseason game against the Broncos? No, no, that's week one. I thought the Falcons were week one for you guys. Nope. We don't play the Falcons until week three. Huh. We start we start the we we start the season at home against the Broncos. Uh, which I mean like like I said, I, I'm shocked that we are playing out of conference to start the season. I would I always expect the Cowboys or Eagles, but uh then we, we actually do play at Washington week two. The Falcons are week three. Uh, we don't play the Cowboys until week five, and that'll be at Dallas. We don't play the we don't play the Eagles until week eleven. That no, is, sorry, that's, week a long, that's a long time away. Week twelve. That's, yeah, we don't play. That's weird. It it really is. Uh, we do have the Giants do have three primetime games. Uh, week two against uh, Washington is going to be a Thursday night game, and then there's two Monday night football games, which will be two losses. Uh, because they're going to <laughs> they're going to Kansas City and then they're going to Tampa Bay. I mean, they always find a way to play the Bucks tough. I mean, last Monday night when they played them last last season on Monday Night Football, um, uh, they 
probably should have won that game if not for Daniel Jones uh, having a bad, having a couple bad interceptions. I'm not going to go into the two point conversion that uh, should have been a fl- that for the flag and everything <laughs> because the Giants should have won that game before all of that had happened. Anyways, they were winning, and then even like when they went down to uh, Tampa the season before and they played them on a Sunday, they came back and beat Tampa. And I understand that, like, you know, that Tampa team was much different than this Tampa team and whatnot. But I don't know. They seem to find a way to play the Buccaneers tough. Uh, Kansas City, I'm already marking down as a loss because it's in hey. not only it's in Kansas City. You're going up against Patrick Mahomes. Anyone can be anyone at any time. Don't, don't hey. sleep on the I will say the favorites are Kansas City. You are yes. you are. The odds do favor Kansas City by a lot, but I do have faith. That, I do have a lot of faith in my team this year. We made a you lot made, of good. We made a lot of good moves this off season, so I think you guys, you guys could win the NFC East, in my opinion. The NFC East, honestly, like you know, it's it's a crapshoot division. The laugh, the the big, it's the laughing stock of the NFL. I'm but just hoping is, Daniel Jones makes the steps needed because I do like him as a quarterback. I think he will this season. If he does not, I think like it'll be time to move on. Um, but honestly, the schedule kind the schedule kind of favors us. Um, uh, we don't have a hard schedule going off of strength of schedule, kind of like right in the middle there. I think we're just above you guys in terms of strength of schedule this se- for this season. Yeah, you guys are. Uh, you guys are actually. You guys are below us. You guys are twenty fifth. Oh, we're below you. I thought we were above you. You guys are 25th. The Bills are tied 23rd with Indianapolis. And then you guys are 25th because your guys' opponents have – that you guys' combined opponents have a .474 win percentage. I thought we were 21st. I must have read that wrong. But, uh, okay, so that's three teams in the NFC East uh, that uh, have the easy strength of schedule. Because uh, in terms of that, uh, the Cowboys and the Eagles on on paper have the easiest records – in ter- uh, for the season, still so, jokes of the franchise, and they'll find a way to fuck it up. Don't worry. Yeah, they Don't really are. So you, they really are. But uh, going off of this, going off of the Giants' schedule, honestly, um, uh, let's see here: at home to Denver, at Washington, playing the Falcons, playing at the Saints, playing at the Cowboys. We play the Rams at home. Um, we play the Rams at home. That's going to be a tough game there. Carolina at Kansas City. We play the uh, we and we actually play the AFC West this season and pro- could probably go two and two in that. Um, uh, obviously, playing Kansas City is always tough. Like I said, um, uh, the Chargers could be hit or miss. Uh, so can the Raiders. Uh, actually, all four of these games could be hit or miss against the AFC West because you don't know what AFC, you don't know what version of the other three teams are going to show up. You could, right. so I feel like two and two against them would be good. Um, going up against the division, the Giants obviously have a lot of hatred towards the Eagles, especially with how last season ended. Although I do believe that winning six games should not get you into the playoffs, regardless. But uh, they have a lot of hatred towards the Eagles organization because of how the season ended there last season with uh, Doug Peterson tank, quote, unquote, tanking. I'm not going to be biased there, but um, uh, you don't be a don't be a Giants fan here. (laughs) You you know, I could be a Giants fan if you can be a Bills fan. But Doug Peterson did kind of uh, screw that over. But like I said, I mean, yeah, the whole the whole NFL world was questioning that decision when that happened, and it was kind of a it was a definitely a head scratcher for sure. With that it was a head scratcher, but uh, win more than six games and you'll make the playoffs. So that's like where I so, so that's like where I'm fifty fifty on it. But uh, right. I feel like in terms of the division, 
Washington will actually be kind of – Washington will be good on the defensive side of the ball. It all depends on who they have as their quarterback. I feel like we could beat Washington. I feel like we can sweep Washington. I don't I don't know why. Uh, we always seem to find a way to have Washington's number. I feel like we could go one and one against the Eagles. I would love to sweep them, but I don't think it will happen. And with the Cowboys, I feel like we could go – I feel like we I feel like we sweep Washington, win both home games against the Cowboys and Eagles, and lose the road games against the Cowboys and Eagles. I yeah, feel I was like gonna we'll, say it, it depends on what Cowboys team shows up because the Cowboys, it, it sucks to say, but they are a good enough team where they can come into your building and just light you up if needed. But we haven't but, seen that Cowboys team in a long time. But then their uh, defense is historically yeah, their bad. defense is still their defense is still a question mark for sure. So you but they, they like can't shootout. come into any building and put up forty-two if needed. Yeah, exactly. You, like you can see, like you like you can actually see like a sh- an offensive shootout happen between the Cowboys and Giants like this year. If and uh, ba- just based on how the offense is, just based on how good the Cowboys' offense is, but also with how bad their defense is. Yeah. But the Giants' defense, like obviously, has made some improvements with their sign with their moves. So we'll see how that goes. But I think honestly. This is going to sound like wild and crazy, but I feel like the Giants could find a way to go like 11 and 5 and actually win the division. Does sound a little crazy, but I respect it. It does sound a little crazy. I mean, look, thing- look, look at your guys' schedule, though. I mean, most of we these have games, the- you guys' games, are, a lot of them are winnable for you guys. I mean, Denver could be winnable. I don't know. Depending on, like, who their quarterback is. Like, Washington, we should. Sw- I feel like we can sweep them. The Falcons, we should beat. The Saints... The Saints is a questionable one. Saints, because, yeah, it depends on in how they look with the new quarterback and everything. Yeah, the Rams, I feel like, is going to be a loss. Carolina, I feel like we could win. I'm I'm on Kansas City. I feel like we could beat the Raiders. The Bucks, well, yeah. And the Eagles at home, that should be a win. The Dolphins, uh, that's a question. I think, that, I think that's, a, that's a coin toss for that one. That's a coin toss there. The Chargers, that should be a win there. Cowboys that defense, you guys should beat the Chargers for sure. Cowboys uh, at home, that should be a win. At Philadelphia, like that's a toss up on. That's a toss up there. We should beat the Bears. Uh, I mean, like, yeah, okay. Depends how Justin Fields looks this year. I, I like, I like I said in our past podcast when we were talking about the draft. I don't like Ohio State quarterbacks, so I think. I, I don't really know. I really, don't, I really don't know how Justin Fields is going to look in the. He NFL. really doesn't have anybody to throw the ball to, and he really doesn't have a. He doesn't have like a good running game. He has a capable yeah, he running has, game. He has Allen Robinson to throw to, really. But they, the, but the Bears like they just like rely on their defense. They don't rely on their offense. And then at home, the Washington to close out the season. But uh, that's all I really have to talk about the Giants. I don't want to go into it too much. I'll just uh, say eleven and five, and then you know win the division would be nice. Uh, but if I had to say anything else, I feel like if we don't win the division, if I wouldn't. Uh, I mean, I would not. I would be surprised if this team, based on paper, the Giants, on paper and in the division they compete in, I feel like if they don't make the playoffs, like it's a failed season. Yeah. So I'll go off of that there, and I'll stop that. But uh, talking about the schedule now, uh, we you had mentioned some key matchups just in the Bills uh, season, uh, but any about key matchups in the league and games you are excited for on an on a league basis so uh, league anything basis, there this league basis this is still going to sound biased but i mean my favorite matchup for this nfl season is bills in kansas city um in kansas city 
a primetime game in October, um, an AFC uh, East or an, not AFC East, AFC title matchup. Excuse me, rematch. Um, so that is my favorite matchup. Just that's not even being biased. That's just two young quarterbacks and two great teams going up against each other. Um, another one I'm always excited for, just based on how these two teams have grown with their young talent, and everything. Browns and Baltimore is always a great game to look for. I get they play each other twice this year, uh, but they play primetime game in November on a Sunday night, the Browns and Baltimore. But then I think the game everyone is kind of looking forward to is Brady against Belichick. Uh, the Buccaneers are going up to New England on in October 3rd, another primetime game. It's the first time ever Brady will be playing Belichick. So I think that's just an interesting game just based on the fact that Brady has been there so long with uh, Belichick. With Belichick, yeah, thank you. I zoned out there. You're blank. <laughs> it's um, all good. Yeah, I, that would just be interesting to see just based on the fact that those, how long those still been together and it's the first time they're ever playing each other. Um, I don't think New England is as good as they used to be, so I think the Bucks should win that game. But just based on the fact that that history there between Brady and Belichick, that's a fun game to look for. But um. Bills aside, I think the Browns-Baltimore matchups will always be good. Those are my favorite matchups to watch all the time. Oh, yes. No, without a doubt. And the thing is, though, is I agree with you on your matchups 100%, honestly. I mean, Bills-Chiefs, uh, you've got Allen versus Mahomes. It's a ti- AFC title rematch. Uh, and, I mean, you know, the ma- the rematch should live up to the hype. Hopefully it's uh, more entertaining than the uh, AFC championship was. Um, uh I know that uh, you would love you would love the Bills to uh, kind of quote unquote exact some revenge for that loss. Um, uh, I yeah, know it was a tough game to watch for sure. I mean, I think that was the worst game we played all season. Yeah, I get we but, probably played that, but it also has part the fact that Kansas City is just that good that they just completely shut everything we had down on the offensive yeah. and defensive side of the ball. We just couldn't do anything. Exactly. And then you've got the Browns and Ravens matchups. Uh, like you said, you know, if those, if, uh, if those games are anything like the Monday night football game that they, that they played, uh, which was the game of last season, in my opinion, oh, we're, in, we're in for, uh, we're in for an exciting treat uh, for both of those games, honestly. And, you know, that, you know, honestly, just because of how good the Browns are, are now and the Ravens are always right there in contention for the playoffs, too. I feel like that will be the matchup in the North Division for years to come, or at least maybe for at least like the next five years or so, depending on injuries and like who stays and who goes and whatnot. But that's something I'm looking forward to as well. Um, I'm also looking forward to uh, the Seahawks and Rams matchups in the NFC West. Uh, they always play each other tough. Um, the Rams defense kind of just the Rams defense uh, for the most part, you know, kind of just uh, they 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 make the Seattle offensive line kind of look silly, and they always find a way to get to Russell Wilson. But Russell Wilson, the Seahawks offense always just find a way to be right there for the most part. And don't forget, uh, they ended up meeting in the playoffs last season, and the Rams did beat the Seahawks in that matchup. But with Matthew Stafford uh, arriving as the new quarterback for the Rams, maybe, you know, it could help the Rams ascend to where they were when they made the Super Bowl just a few seasons ago. Yeah, Matt Stafford definitely makes that team a lot better than Jared Goff did, in my opinion. I think Matt Stafford, people never really got to see how good he actually is. I get he's older now. But I think Matt Stafford is a stud of a quarterback who just kind of stuck in that Detroit team that literally had nothing the whole time he was there. So I'm excited to see him on a team with some weapons and a great defense and see what he can actually do. I think a lot of people, 
I won't be surprised because I believe he can do what a lot of people are going to be surprised that he's going to do this year. Exactly. Another matchup that I'm looking forward to, and this is a matchup that I hope happens, is week nine when uh, the Packers go to Kansas City and we see Rodgers and Mahomes hopefully meet for the first time. Hopefully. Obviously, this is all contingent on whether or not Aaron Rodgers plays in Green Bay this season. He from, may- talks of it, from talks of it that I've heard recently, he is going to be there trying to amend that relationship. Um, so I really hope so because I would love to see – Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, so I think he deserves to finish out his career there. Um, I would it's just just isn't based on the fact that I bought my girlfriend an Aaron Rodgers jersey and that I like <laughs> to get her a new one now. But um, no, I would love to see him finish out his career in Green Bay. I mean, you saw what he did last year. Uh, he's the reigning MVP now. Um, he was absolute stud last year. He has the weapons he needs. Um, it was just some stupid play calling in the playoffs, in my opinion. And I think Aaron Rodgers has a lot left in the tank to give that Green Bay team. Oh, exactly. And the thing is, though, is like I said, with this matchup against him and Mahomes, you have you have uh, two MV surefire MVP candidates from last season going head to head. And based off of what they did last season, you think that they would be right there as MVP candidates uh, for this upcoming season as well. So that would just be a great quarterback duel that uh, we hope to see. Uh, you know, just a great offensive shootout, a great quarterback duel right there. You kind of have like. Uh, you know, and I've and and I don't know how much you pay attention to this, but like when you take a look at Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes, both of them are compared to each other for the most part. Like they talk about how Patrick Mahomes, what Aaron Rodgers was Patrick Mahomes before Patrick Mahomes, and now Patrick Mahomes is surpassing what Rodgers did. So it would be kind of just be like one of those matchups of like you know. You know, kind of like seeing the old old guard versus uh, the new kid. I wouldn't say the new kid on the block, but you have the younger generation uh, going up against the old guard for the most part. And then once again, we you dwelled on it. Uh, Tampa Bay going up to New England on week four. Obviously, uh, on paper, the most anticipated game of the season where tickets start at over $1,000. Um, uh and obviously, like, I would not spend that much money just to go see a regular season football game. But uh, Tom Brady going up against Bill Belichick and the Patriots should be interesting for sure. But uh, one more intriguing matchup that I find is week one opening night on Thursday night football. Oh, fuck off. Is that no Fuck off. Let me get my word on this. Let me get my word on this. Fuck the NFL for putting the, the Cowboys, Cowboys on, on prime time at the opening game of the season. Against the Buccaneers. Fuck that. I think the world wanted, not the world, me, per, I don't even care if the Bills were there. Anybody else. Anybody else but the fucking Dallas Cowboys. The NFL needs to stop sucking the Dallas Cowboys and Jerry Jones' fucking dick because their time is coming past. They're done. The Cowboys aren't America's team anymore. The Cowboys are America's team to hate. Yes, maybe people, they're like, oh, people hate the Cowboys now, so let it tune in and get views. Fuck that. People are going to watch the games anyways. Put them later in the season of prime tanking. I don't care. Don't make that the opening game of the fucking season. It's a goddamn joke that the NFL still does this for the Cowboys. Jerry Jones, you can suck my dick, you old lanky old fuck. Um, no, I just I hate this matchup. Oh yeah, it's gonna be a blow. It's gonna be a blowout night one. I mean, it's an absolute joke. I, fuck, man, it just makes me so mad. Oh, it makes me mad too. It makes me mad too. I uh, I, I can't stand how the uh, me. I can't stand when I saw this matchup come out because obviously, like the week one schedule was released before the actual schedule was announced. What that morning, and it, and I was fuming the entire day because I remember I me and you had talked about it right away as soon as it happened. Yeah, exactly. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, why is this the matchup? Like, and then of course I put on first take, 
And once again, you know, the Dallas Cow- the Dallas Cowboys News Network at uh, ESPN, they're just talking about the Cowboys, uh, and they're ta- and then you've got Skip fuck- Skip Bayless and his dumbass talking <laughs> about uh, the Cowboys too. And I'm like, no, we do not need to talk about this overhyped, overcovered, and overrated football team from Texas that hasn't won anything in over 25 years. We don't need this anymore. They are not America's team. I don't care that they're worth over $5 billion. I don't care how much of a billionaire Jerry Jones is. It is time to move on from them. Okay. They are a laughing stock. They are, they're, they're the joke of the NFC East for crying out loud. Them and Philadelphia, they'll find a way to bottle it the entire season. Okay. We don't need to keep seeing the Dallas Cowboys on prime in prime time in meaningful games. They have five prime time games this season. They don't need that. Okay. We put more in, put more entertaining games on in prime time. Now I understand that, like, I understand that, like, you know, you can't, ha- you can't have NBC or even ESPN and ABC with Monday Night Football hawking all the prime time games, and you have to spread them out and put, put games on at the four o'clock slot for Fox or even the one o'clock slot on Fox or CBS, just so you can have people watch entertaining football games. Because let's be honest here, uh, is anybody going to actually want to watch the Detroit Lions? Uh, and the Detroit Lions take on the Chicago Bears like week, uh, like uh, like week three at like one o'clock on Fox. No, I mean, I'm not going to want to watch. Oh, week two primetime game is a snooze fest as well. The Thursday night game. Oh yeah, fuck you. I didn't want to say what you're talking about it, but uh, week, no, week, week one or week two have really not week, that great Thursday night football games. Well, but then again, I mean, Thursday night is the night most people need sleep, so maybe that's the reason. Well, week one Sunday night football is kind of a joke. Bears at Rams. I'm not a fan of that one, honestly. Let's be honest. Let's be honest here for a second. Week one, everyone is going to be watching every single game they can. So I think week one, you just kind of throw whatever you can in there because football is back, so people are going to tune in no matter what. Yes, yes, this is very true. You you will have people watching as many games as they can, whether it's on the Sunday ticket or whether it's through Red Zone or even if they're illegally streaming their games uh, on like some illegal website they found on the internet or whatever. Or if they have like 13 screens going on at once at the same time, you are going to have people watching football games no matter who is playing. And, yes, that even includes the Chicago Bears and Los Angeles Rams game that I don't think should be in prime time. Yes, that includes NFC East teams that should not be on Thursday night football to open up the season. Yes, uh, I wholeheartedly agree. And the same thing will probably happen for week two. But the thing is, though, as we get get further and further into the season – we kind of prioritize the games that we watch. We watch our own teams. We watch key matchups. Uh, once we kind of, we kind of figure out like who's in contention, we kind of pay attention to the playoff picture. But yes, I see exactly where you're coming from. The NFL just kind of puked out uh, a schedule for Week One, and they said everybody's gonna watch these games. We don't care. We're gonna get our TV ratings. We're gonna be the top Thursday night kickoff. That's gonna be the highest rated show for the week. Sunday night football matchup. Sunday night football is the number one ra- uh, ranked uh, program uh, on primetime television for the past ten years. Who cares uh, about the Bears and Rams being there? It's gonna gain over. It's gonna get over five million views. At exactly. Least. So, Everyone's gonna be tuning in for those games. So I think maybe that's where they're coming at it from. It's like okay. Let's not put our best games the first week. 
yes, it would be nice, but then again, you're going to have people tuning in no matter who the teams are. You could have thrown the – I don't even know what they play each other this year, but you could have thrown the Redskins and Texans playing each other this year on Sunday Night Football, and people still would have tuned in. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt there. But, you know, the, the schedule is out. We're lo- Everybody's looking forward to week one. Everybody's been getting their travel plans uh, set already for months on end, trying to uh, figure out whether what – trying to figure out, like, okay, like, well, could I go see a home game or even make a road trip or just figure out, like, when to go see a game with friends at the bar. Uh, so it's a wonderful time, obviously. Uh, football season is going to be coming near and dear to us, so uh, coming fast at us, and I'm looking forward to it. But uh, I now want to move into our, just our next topic here and just, uh, you know, preview the NBA playoffs a little bit here. And uh, honestly, I'm not going to – I'm going to be completely honest with you. Uh, we are already into the uh, play-in tournament, and I think that the play-in tournament is very stupid. Uh, the Lakers the Lakers beat the Warriors last night, and they will face the Phoenix Suns. The Lakers are a seven seed. The Celtics beat the Wizards in their game in the play-in tournament. They'll be taking on the Nets. There are still two playing games left to determine who will be the eight seed. In the East, you have the eight nine matchup of the Wizards and Pacers. And then the other matchup in the West is the eight nine, where the Warriors will take on the Grizzlies. And in my opinion, I find the playing tournament to be completely stupid and pointless. Um, I think it's just more games added on for just to get the NBA more publicized and just to get the networks uh, to talk about the league more because we don't care. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't care about the regular season 90% of the time, honestly. And I'm sure most people that listen to this podcast, or even if you don't listen to this podcast, can attest to that. Yeah, no, I, NBA, I, I will watch a hockey season just because I'm a hockey fan. I will tune into every game I can, like if it was on NBC, NBCSN, or even the NHL Network. But NBA, I just can't bring myself to watch watch regular season games just because it's going to suck to say, but typically the better team wins mostly every night. Exactly. Every team's exactly. going to win every night. And then you got you got superstars who, in my opinion, this is the softest move you can make, who are taking these um, – what, what do they even call them? Um, rest, not rest days. What is the word for it? Oh, load management. Load management. That is the absolute softest thing I've ever heard, and that is why this league is a joke, but it's still sports. So me and Jamie will still tune into it because me and Jamie are drawn to the sports. Me and him might be a part of the brainwash who care about sports, but guess what? It doesn't matter. But load management is the literally stupidest thing I've ever heard of. That is why the NBA, to me, for the most part, until it gets to playoffs because I will tune in for playoffs because, again, I am brainwashed. It's sports. I watch it. It's still a joke to me. Oh, yes, without a doubt. And I mean, the thing is, though, is like the the regular season for the NBA is a joke for the most part, because we have a feeling of we have a good feeling literally as soon as the schedule is released and as soon as free agency and trades are done, who's going to make the playoffs? And it's nine times out of ten. It's the same teams over and over again, uh, at least in the Western Conference in the Eastern Conference this year. A little bit different, but we'll go into that more when we talk about it. Um, Actually, going into it, I kind of want to – I'll start in the Eastern Conference, actually, because honestly, you know, 
who the fuck honestly like it is the looking at the Brooklyn Nets and how you know stacked they are because players kind of just like jump ship from their teams and uh made this super team to try and win the title uh they're the favorites but there are still some pretty competitive teams in the east uh for the most part and honestly I'll start out with the Nets Celtics series. The Celtics have Celtics have just completely sucked this season and underachieved, in my opinion. Uh, game one will be Saturday night against the Nets in Brooklyn, where they'll take out where the Nets are a two seed. Like I said, the Celtics are seven. Um, I think that the Cel- if the Celtics win one game, it'll be a miracle just because of how they've played uh, and just because of how they played all season, very inconsistent from what I've seen. So they're the Brooklyn Nets are going to sweep the Celtics, in my opinion. Um, it's not going to be a competitive series at all. I, like I said, if the Celtics win one or two games, it'll be a miracle. Um, any take? Like what? Like what do you think of that? Before I go into the next series here, talking about. No, I completely agree with you on that. I think the Celtics should be a better team than the record shows. But I mean, that Nets team, like you said, is just—it's like a super team. That, that's the part that makes the NBA not fun to watch. We have these guys forming a super team. I just think Brooklyn might be unbeatable coming out of the East. So I agree with you. I see the Celtics maybe winning one or two games. Um, yeah. Exactly. I, I, so the Celtics are a very solid team, but I think this Brooklyn team is just too good to lose to them. I mean, this, the Celtics should not have been 500 this year, but guess what they were? It is what it is. And now you're a seven seed. You have to face Brooklyn. And exactly. Brooklyn it looks unbeatable for the most part. Exactly. Uh, next series matchup, uh, just to talk about in the first round, uh, you have a rematch of a bubble round of a bubble playoff uh, matchup from last season. Uh, the three seed my uh, Milwaukee Bucks will take on the six seed Miami Heat, and I and in my honest opinion, I, I don't care that the Bucks are a three seed. Um, another team that uh, looks very vulnerable. Uh, even with Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, I think that um, uh, I think that Miami, with who they have, with Jimmy Butler, with Tyler Hero, uh, with their supporting cast there, I feel like Miami could beat the Bucks in five yeah. or six games. Um, another, uh, you know, uh, just kind of beat them how they did in the bubble last season. Yeah, I think Giannis has proved time and time through now that he can't win in playoffs, and I think this is another. Another look at that where I think Miami is just too deep for this Bucks team. Where I think Miami can go into their bench where the Bucks are more reliant on really Giannis than anything to get them through games. And I think Miami also takes a series as well. Um, like you said, you named some names. Um, I just think I really, in my opinion, they're just too deep for this Bucks team. And I think they take it in, I would say five or six as well. Exactly. Now we go into the most intriguing series of the Eastern Conference first <laughs> round, in my opinion. New York basketball, stand up, Knicks fans. The Knicks tape is back. New, the New York Knicks are taking have home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs. They are the four seed, and they will be taking on the five seed Atlanta Hawks. The New York Knicks will be hosting a playoff series for the first time since the 2013 season. No, that sounds weird to say, doesn't it? It does sound weird to say that the New York, this is where I was coming into, you know, you all like when I was still, when it was still the Jerry's world podcast, when I previewed the NBA season, I said the Knicks were going to be bottom feeders. Lo and behold, we were all wrong. Tom Thibodeau is uh, Tom Thibodeau is working his magic there. Julius Randall has an, had the very underrated MVP like season. We kind of saw a resurgence in Derek Rose's career almost uh, 
and the supporting cast uh, of the New York Knicks has been performing as wonderful as well in terms of just, you know, their overall style of play. But this Hawks team is really no pushover either uh, with Trey Young and well, as well as the supporting cast there. But uh, just seeing playoff basketball in the garden again, it, it's, it's going to be magical, honestly. And I feel like that the Knicks, the, <laughs> the New York Knicks are going to win the series. They are going to win the series and I think it'll go to seven. I think it'll be the toughest series there. But I think the South, the New York Knicks will win this series, mainly because they'll have the fans behind them. And they'll eventually take on the Philadelphia 76ers in the conference semifinals. I know that uh, talking about the 76ers series, um, uh, we don't know who they're going to play yet. They still have to play. They, there's still the playing game to determine the eighth seed. But whoever plays the 76ers, I feel like, the 76ers, just as a defensive team, they're one of the best defensive teams in the league. I feel like they'll be too much for whoever they end up playing. So that'll be a conference semifinal matchup. And it'll be a matchup that most basketball fans are looking forward to. Um, but with that being said, I kind of want to switch over to the Western Conference now. And I want, again, I want to start with the 2-7 matchup. The defending champion Lakers as a seventh seed taking on the resurgent Phoenix Suns led by Devin Booker and Chris Paul. And this people, the clickbait media is not going to like it, but this series is a toss up. Oh yeah. I mean, anytime you have LeBron playoff, LeBron is different than regular season LeBron. So anytime you have to play LeBron in playoffs is a tough time for anyone. And this two seven matchup could really, it could really line up more like a four V five matchup or it's going to be very even. I get the Suns have played great all season, but just how LeBron gets going in playoffs and what it can do to his team makes just just kind of a scary sight. If I was the uh, if I was the Suns, I would have much rather had Golden State win that playing game and uh, get to see Curry and the Warriors. But no, this is a tough, definitely for sure, a tough matchup for the Suns. Oh, with, I mean, especially with Anthony Davis down low. I mean, I, I just don't think the Suns really have anyone who can guard AD. And then I don't really know who would go guard LeBron. I mean, especially if you have Devin Booker and Chris Paul at the one and two, um, that might be a tough matchup for the Lakers point guards. But anyone who has to guard LeBron or AD, it's just like a like playoff playoff version of these two is just a different animal. And I think oh. I think the Lakers could take the series in probably seven. I think the series goes seven. But the thing is, though, if Phoenix win, yeah, you know, I'm gonna pull a Charles Barkley here. If Phoenix wins. Game if Phoenix wins game one, if they even win game two, if they win one or two of them, they take the series in seven. I feel like if Phoenix win, actually no, if Phoenix wins both games at home and they and they take a two zero lead into Los Angeles, they win the series in seven. That's my prediction. I feel like that this Suns team, Monty Williams has done a great job taking the Suns to. The two seed as coach, I feel like he's a coach of the year in the NBA. Like the Chris Paul revital, like Chris Paul, wherever he goes, he kind of makes the team better. Uh, obviously, the Suns, uh, Devin Booker's a wonderful player. Very, uh, you know, doesn't get appreciated enough. The supporting cast that the Suns have as well. But I feel like, you know, yeah, okay, playoff LeBron is a different animal. You know, zero dark 30-23 mode, blah, 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 whatever he does. <laughs> Fuck that. Right? And he doesn't go on. And he doesn't go on social. I would media. love to see. I would love to see LeBron lose. To be honest, like I would love to see LeBron lose. Don't get me wrong. As much as the next person who 
I think Jordan is the GOAT now. My opinions have switched on that. But, um, no, I, I would love to see LeBron lose, but I just don't see him losing is the issue. I, I, I mean, like I said, I think the series is a toss-up. I don't think the Lakers as a team this year are as good as the team that won the title. Uh, I don't think they have – I you know, I, I don't think that the Lakers – I don't think that the supporting cast that LeBron and Anthony Davis have compared to last season is a better supporting cast than when they won the title in the bubble. I think the Suns could give them a run for their money and take the series in seven. And it would be – and the sad thing of it is it would be considered an upset even though the Suns are a higher seed. It would be considered an upset because they're sending the defending champions who are a seven seed and LeBron James home onto the golf course. But going off of that, I want to go into our next series matchup, which is the Denver Nuggets taking on the Portland Trailblazers. And this is a series that can, again, another series that can go either way, but I don't think it'll go to seven. I think it could possibly go six. But uh, these games could could potentially all be close. But I'm gonna take the tra- I'm gonna take the Portland Trailblazers on this one. This is uh, I I just can't go against Damian Lillard. I just can't go against Damian Lillard. And the uh, the man the man is probably the most uh, underrated player in all of basketball. Uh, not, uh, doesn't really get appreciated all that much. Uh, he's a clutch play- He's a clutch performer. Not in not just in the regular season, but in the playoffs too. We've seen it happen against Houston a few years back. We saw it a couple years ago against Oklahoma against Oklahoma City. Um, practically carried the Trailblazers on his back this season to uh, to a six seed. Um, I mean. Uh, I, I can't go again. I can't go against them, and I know how good the and I know how good the Nuggets are, where they have an MVP candidate in Nick in Nicole and Nikola Jokic, but um, uh, Nikolai Nikolai Jokic, uh, you know that the big man. I can't. I, I I just can't go against Lillard, though. What about you? Right. I no. I'm agreeing with you there. Um, I mean, Denver is a very good young team. Well, like you said, with Jokic there, um, MVP candidate for it might be. I don't know how to word this properly, but if he does get the MVP, this is going to sound like shitty to say, but if you can agree with me, this is the worst MVP we've had in probably 20 years. Like, I'm not saying he's a bad player at all, but I'm saying he'd be the worst MVP we've had in 20 years. Uh, this MV, the MVP discussion could be is a very is a very right, different but, topic. Yeah, we'll get off that, but that's what I'm saying. I think I, I wouldn't bet against Damon playoffs. Like he's kind of like LeBron in playoffs. He just he can kind of do does what he wants. I mean, I don't think I don't think Jokic and Jamal Murray are going to be enough for this Portland team. Well, Jamal Murray's not even in the in. He tore his ACL. He's out for the season. Oh shit! That's right. Yeah, I completely so, forgot about that. Oh yeah, yeah. then then, then definitely de- definitely then Portland this series in four or five. I I think Portland could sweep the series. Yeah, I mean, Blazers fans could possibly get the brooms out, you know, could take the series in four or five. Um, uh, it could possibly go six, but I see the Blazers winning the series no matter what. Yeah. And that, with that being said, one going to our next matchup in the first round, which is another rematch of uh, of a playoff matchup that happened down in the bubble last season, and that's the Clippers taking on the Mavericks. Uh, the I'm Clippers taking Mavericks in four right away. Mavericks in four. You're taking Mavericks in four. I like that's that. All I say, that's all I have to say about that. I think in Mavericks in four. I think this Mavericks team is just going to be too good for this Lakers team. I get Lakers or the, or the Clippers, Clippers. or the four seed, but um, no, I think 
this this Dallas team, I think, is just going to be too much come playoff time. I think Mavericks in six. I mean, the Clippers are good, but it all depends on, like, what version of Paul George shows up and also depends on what version of the supporting cast shows up. Exactly. I mean, I mean, you know, yeah, okay, you can talk about Kawhi Leonard and everything, but the thing is, though, if Paul George doesn't show up in a playoff game again, forget it. Like, yeah, you know, I, get, I get Kawhi carried that, that Raptors team to a championship two years ago, but I just think if Paul George doesn't show up in this series, the series is done. For, oh, yeah, without a doubt. And then I want to go into our next, uh, our last matchup where we have uh, the one seed Jazz taking on the eight seed whoever because they're still playing games. Memphis, to I, I hope it's Golden State. They played in, I really hope, I want to see Curry play in playoffs. He is uh, a man in the NBA who deserves that more than anything right now. I. The Warriors, the Warriors play the Grizzlies tonight. As we're recording this, they'll play. They'll tip off in probably a few hours or so. I know that. Uh, I think the Warriors will win the play-in matchup against the Grizzlies. And if the Golden State Warriors win tonight against the Memphis Grizzlies, they will beat the Utah Jazz in six games. Do you think so? They will beat the Utah. Jazz I think the Jazz. I think the Jazz run through this Western Conference, in my opinion. I think, I think I think Utah's going to get to the I think Utah will will get to the championship and uh, Utah gets to the championship I won't have a problem with but my thing is is that Curry's unpredictable man Curry is unpredictable I feel like he could I I they have... it showed in it showed in the regular season though that no matter how much he does he can still they can still lose games they can lose games because the supporting cast isn't – they're not the Warriors we know. They're not – they don't have yeah, Clay no, Thompson. They're not the powerhouse Warriors. They don't have Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. Like, uh, it all depends on what Draymond Green shows up. But uh, Andrew Wiggins is very inconsistent. They could win games. They can lose games. But it has that feeling, and I know that – and I know that they – they came out and said this to the team themselves. They said they don't want to be compared to the We Believe Warriors of 2007, but I feel like it has that vibe of, like, Curry can take them as far as he can go and carry yeah, I, them I just, on his I, back. I just disagree with you. I really think that <laughs> – I just think Utah runs through this Western Conference. I think this Western Conference is too weak, and I think Utah was just too good this season. Utah is really good, but I, that's my that's my upset prediction there. That's my upset prediction there in the first round. I feel like that's my upset prediction. That's just because I love stuff. I love Stephen Curry as a. Boy. I love him too, but I just don't think I just don't think this Warriors team is strong enough to compete with this Utah team. Uh, but anyway, Don, Donovan Mitchell playoffs. been on a tear going into playoffs, so. Yes, this is true. This is very true. And obviously, like, we'll talk more as the playoffs progress and everything, just like what we're going to do with the NHL. But uh, prediction, like, you know, as we finish up talking about the first round, uh, who do you think is going to make the NBA Finals and who do you think is going to win it? Well, clearly from, what, clearly from what I just said, I think Utah, I think Utah will come in from the West. And I really think Miami can make another shot at it this year. I think it's going to be Utah, Miami, and I think Utah takes it. I think Utah will be, will be the champions this year. So they do what Stockton and Malone couldn't do, and uh, finally get a title into uh, into into Salt, Salt Lake. Lake. Into Salt Lake. Okay, I respect it. I respect it. Um, uh, I'm going. 
Well, this is going to be a pain in my ass because I said the Suns could beat. Uh, I said the Suns could beat. Will beat the Lakers and the um, uh, Warriors will beat the Jazz. But if I had to be realistic, this is going to contradict myself. As much as I would love the Warriors to beat the Jazz, um, uh, if the if if the Jazz win, I think the Jazz will make it to the finals. Um, and actually, I. Brooklyn, as much as it pains, I feel like Brooklyn will just be too good in the East, um, even though, like you said, Miami, they can make another run. The 76ers are a great defensive team. I feel like, you know, just having – I think I just said that because I think Jimmy Butler can shut down KD, but then again, you have a problem with Harden and Kyrie, so I don't know. Well, it all depends on what version of Kyrie shows up. It also depends on, like, if they're all healthy at the same time too. But I think it will come down to Kevin Durant. I think he's the X factor for the Nets. Uh, on like Kevin Durant on his day is probably the best player. Kevin Durant on his day is the best player in the world. He oh, can't yeah. be stopped. Oh, yeah. he he can't can't be stopped. Be but I think it'll be the Jazz and the Nets. I do think that the I do think the if the Jazz make it to the finals, you know, going against my contradiction there, I think the Jazz could win the title just because they have a great team on an overall basis. Um, uh, also, I kind of just want to see Brooklyn fail with their super team because it's kind of funny. Like if you have all these guys stacked up on your team and all you try to do is win a title by like right, exactly. that way. You win, you won a championship because you had four superstars. But could you imagine the Knicks winning a championship? That would be crazy. Okay, let me tell you something here. And this is my crazy, this is going to be my crazy prediction for the East. The New York Knicks are going to make the Eastern Conference Finals. The New York Knicks are going to beat the Atlanta Hawks and they are going to beat the 76ers in the conference semis. And and I need, Mets, I, need, I need whatever you're on right now. Oh, that's <laughs> and, <some> good stuff. <laughs> and Madison Square Garden will see the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time since 1999. I really think that I, 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 you know, I'm not a Knicks fan. I'm not a Knicks fan, honestly. I and I like, you know, I, I am not a New York Knicks fan, but I love what they're doing. I love the resurgence. Um, Tom Thibodeau as a coach is very under underrated. He doesn't get the respect he deserves. Um, and honestly, I kind of just like how seeing how Julius Randle is revitalizing his career. Yeah, he looks really good this year. And I also like how Derrick Rose is uh, kind of becoming resurgent and revitalizing his career after all the trouble that he's had with injuries. Um, so it's exciting. It's, it's good times in New York. And the thing is, though, is one thing I want to say is if the Brooklyn Nets fail to win the NBA title, there the New York Knicks will be the talk of the NBA. Will be will be the talk of New York City. And I oh, know yeah. I sound, and I know I sound like Stephen A. Smith there, but the thing is, though, if Brooklyn fails to win the title, and even if the Knicks don't, the Knicks just have to get out of the first round, and the Knicks will be the talk of uh, not just New York New York basketball, but they'll probably be the talk of the Eastern Conference because of how they've been resurgent this season, and they could can. can possibly may get maybe one or two moves away from contending uh for an eastern conference final spot i i agree with nothing you just said but I, uh, I disagree with not, i disagree with anything you just said excuse me sorry yeah i but uh you know that's there there um uh we both agree that Jazz could uh, win the title, even though I think that they have a chance to lose to the Warriors. I think if the Warriors win, they could beat the Jazz. But I have to take 
it's gonna it sounds contradicting there, but I can't see Brooklyn winning the title and I don't want to see the Lakers win it. But uh going off of that, I wanna continue talking playoffs, but switching over to hockey. We have had some very intriguing starts to the first round of uh, every series. Uh, the North Division decided to enter the chat where Winnipeg beat Edmonton last night and Toronto will be taking on Montreal tonight. Uh, I just want your take on uh, on everything that's going on so far in the NHL playoffs. Well, what a hell of a start the playoffs it has been, for sure. I know we're a couple games behind now from doing this podcast, but uh, what a start to playoffs it has been. I mean, I had told you my the Battle of Floor is going to be my favorite series. And, oh, my God, it's been a great series so far. I get Tampa is up 2-0 right now. But Jonathan Huberdeau has looked like an absolute stud for the Florida Panthers. He is – like I said, I think this game's going – I think this series is going to seven, and I think it still could. Um, that Carolina Nashville series – or, yeah, Carolina Nashville series, unfortunately, the way it looks, I think Nashville is just completely outmatching this series. I didn't expect for it to be this bad. But I think Carolina will take this one in four. Um, now jumping up to the east, this Boston Capitals series, man. I mean, what more can you say about it? Craig Anderson has looked phenomenal. I know Boston's up 2-1 right now, but Craig Anderson, game one, I get he kind of looked shaky, didn't get tested that much. And for being an older, um, what, just, I think he just turned 40. or He's turning 40 in the next couple of days now. But he, he just looked, turned 40, he has, played on his birthday. He has looked phenomenal for the Capitals. Um, that series has been a lot of fun to watch. Um, Pittsburgh and Island, I mean, dude, hockey playoffs are the best. They're tied 1-1 right now. Um, yeah, they're playing tonight. Game they're playing tonight, game three is tonight, yep. Uh, I think puck drops at seven for that game. I do like, uh, jumping up playoffs for a little bit, I do like how the NHL has kind of listened to people, and they're finally getting these staggered starts for the playoff games. Um, so you can, you're able to flip to different games like, once one game finishes, you can kind of flip to another game that has a 7.30 start, and you get to see the end of that game. Then you got the 10.30 starts out west. But um, no, actually, jump me to the west, Colorado, man. I mean, they have, they have looked phenomenal. Game can one, I interrupt I mean, you on a second real, yeah, uh, for for a second real quick? Uh, I just want to say that Colorado looks phenomenal. They're already up, what, 2-0 on the series. They're already up 2-0 yeah. on the series. Nathan McKinnon looks phenomenal as that, always. That, that whole top line of Landeskog, McKinnon, has looked phenomenal. Yeah, McKinnon, Rantanen, and yeah, McKinnon, Rantanen, and Landeskog have looked absolutely phenomenal. But can we take a Cal second McCarr to talk about looking phenomenal as well? I told you, I told you guys a couple podcasts ago, he will be the, the best defenseman in history once his career progresses, and he has looked phenomenal this playoff series. But can we talk about for a second that Landeskog, Braden Shen fight? Oh my yes, God, what a way to kick off! Fight. What a way to kick off that series, man. That- that is – and it's exciting. You, you love to see – first off, I just love to see fighting in hockey, honestly. And I know that, like, they talk about safety in the league and they're trying to, like oh, – they're not trying to completely outlaw fighting, but they're trying to uh, ease the burden of fighting in hockey. But the thing is, though, is, like, these teams, especially this season, they have seen each other eight, nine, ten times uh, Boy, they in the regular season. They, they hate each other now. They don't want – they're sick of each other. And obviously, like, you know, that's pro- that's most likely been brewing uh, throughout the regular season. I really – I'm not going to lie. Like, I haven't been able to pay attention to the West that much, mainly because, you know, out on the West Coast, like, they're playing their games, like, when I'm sleeping because I have to go to work the next day. But uh, being able for hockey playoffs, you know, I'm staying up as much as I can just to uh, watch as much as I can because, you know, like you said about the NFL. I'm brainwashed to and the NBA. I'm brainwashed to it. I I, I love hockey playoffs. Uh, the NHL playoffs are the best uh, 
in the no. best uh, playoff format in sport in in North American sports. And I've been rolling in bed at like twelve thirty to twelve forty five every night because I've been trying to get I've been trying to watch these Western Conference games. But oh my god, it is so worth it. It oh, is I, so worth it. I agree. And I hockey playoffs are the best. The only thing that could really top it, in my opinion, is wild card night for baseball. For North American sports, I agree. For other sports, not in North America. Yeah, yeah. Well, clearly, clearly. But we could—that's another topic for another day too. I also just want to talk about how Jordan Bennington is the most overrated goaltender in hockey, and I'm sick and tired of people hyping him up like he's the top goaltender when, in reality, he's a piece of dog. I'm going to defend him. In Game One, he looked really good against Colorado. I mean, he was absolutely peppered against Colorado first. I think he faced 48 shots, made 45 saves. Your goalie is supposed to face 38 shots tonight at most. That yeah. is not a bad night. He faced 48 night one and made 45 saves. You can't ask a lot more from a goalie. I think Bennington night one looked unreal. Night two, I mean, he was a little shaky. Was it? it was last night's game, right? Or two, I can't remember now. It was last night's but, game. Yeah, it was, it was a two-one game last night. Um, but uh, no, he. I still think he is a stud. I know clearly you disagree. But I think he is an absolute stud. I mean, he he I think he's overrated because he won the cup with St. Louis. Like in, in 2019, he had a great season. 2020, he completely shit the in 2020, he completely shit the bed and he didn't and he wasn't himself. And yeah, in 2021, yeah. like we're, we we were seeing like the shades of 2019, but then like when the 2020 Bennington showed up, yeah. it was it showed up more than the 2019. Sorry, last night it was 6-3. I'm sorry. It was 6-3 last That's night. He was, yeah, he was absolutely peppered. Or he wasn't even peppered. He let in four goals on 33 shots. So Yeah. But sorry, I think I, mean, I think night one, Bennington looked looked like the Bennington that won the cup. Uh, night two, Bennington, it was kind of the Bennington that we have seen since he was won the cup. I agree with you there, but I still think night one just looking an absolute stud. Yeah. And another thing, too, that bothers me about Bennington is like when he's a sore loser, he's a sore loser. He'll try to fight. I mean, he tried to fight at the end of night one. He's trying to fight at the end of that. He's trying to fight any to anybody. Like he's going up to Grubar or trying to fight him at the end of the horn. And I'm like, what are you doing? Get the fuck out of here. Like get lost. <laughs> Take your L and just go re- just go back to the locker room, recuperate, recuperate and recover from the loss and get back out there night two. Don't try and fight anybody. Well, like, in, just- in his defense, in his defense, we're seeing um, Grubar did throw a punch at the end of the whistle. So I can't yes. remember who it was. So I understand skating down, but uh no, Colorado has just absolutely dominated the series. Yeah, and now I want to go into the North Division, and I'm not. You don't even want to talk about. You don't even want to talk about the Wild yet. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot about I mean, the Minnesota Wild. Can we talk? I... Can we talk about the upset on night one that the Wild had against the Golden Knights? I mean, yes. I, I wouldn't even. I wouldn't call it an upset, really. Um, I mean, both Fleury and Talbot had both stood on their heads. Yes. Uh, yes. I mean, Cam Talbot made 42 saves, and he was the sole reason they won that game. Mark Andre Fleury only made 29 saves, but um, oh my god, like both goalies absolutely stood on their head for their teams. For sure, I really thought that was gold the Golden Knights game to win. And Cam Talbot, man, I mean, oh my god. Oh, I mean, without a doubt. And even in game two, like game two was entertaining as well. And uh, you know, the Wild are sticking to their own for the most. The Wild are sticking to their own, which I enjoy a lot. I mean, you know. I think the Wild, the Wild are just kind of the sleeper out of the West because 
how just how physical this team is. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you know, a lot of people would be thinking like, oh, the the night the Golden Knights would easily beat the Wild in like in four or five games. But looking at how physical this team is and just how hard just just how hardworking they are on on the ice as a team, like no matter what unit is out there, whether it's the first line, the second line, or even the third or fourth line, like they all hustle, they all play the game hard, they're hardworking. Uh, you know they're all, they're great. They're scrappy. They're they're a scrappy group. I mean, you know, and like you said, you know, Cam Talbot continues to stand on his head like he did. Honestly, you know, it could be a series that goes seven games, in my opinion. And it, it kind of reminds me. It reminds me of the Vancouver series last year when the night uh, when that series went to seven against uh, the Golden Knights and Vancouver almost won because Vancouver was Minnesota is the same way as that Vancouver team was. You know, they worked hard. They were gritty. They were scrappy. They had a goaltender that was standing on. They have a goaltender that was standing on his head. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's it. It's it's my second favorite it's my second favorite series actually after the Caps and Bruins. I mean, I'm not you're not going to top the Caps and Bruins just because of how they started, but I mean just because of how how this how the Wild and Knights series has been right now, I'm going to say it's my second favorite series and I'm hoping that it goes to 7 games. I, I mean, really, I, I, I get I we both said that Vegas could would win this series, but I'm really hoping now how the Wild looked on night 1. And even night two, I really hope they win this series. I hope the series goes to seven. This has been my probably my second favorite series to second or third because this battle of Florida to me has just been crazy. And then also, I mean, Capitals, Bruins, I mean, two teams who have been there, done that, know how to get it done. They've been taking each other to two games went into overtime. All right. Exactly. Out of the three. Exactly. Exactly. It's crazy. It's ex- extremely crazy there. Um, uh, but now I want to go into the North Division because the North Division decided to actually enter the playoff chat finally. And about time. It is about time. They had to wait until the Canucks finished their season, which I found completely stupid. They could because just especially, especially because the Canucks played Calgary. Yeah, the, they could have just said, no, you're done. I know it would have been a bad look on the league, but they could have just told the Canucks, you're done. I, I would not have. Nobody would have cared. Even Canucks fans wouldn't have cared. They, they're they mad at their team, but that's another conversation for another day there. But I, Winnipeg winning 4-1 to last night, I, I was shocked. I mean, I, I was shocked that Winnipeg won that much, but at the same time, I'm not shocked because – Winnipeg really isn't a bad team, honestly. The yeah, only they, thing that, go ahead. Sorry, no, go ahead. Continue. The only thing that it was a shock to me because they didn't have Nikolai Nikola Ehlers and they didn't have Pierre Luc Dubois in the game one lineup. They won without their two of their best players. Yeah, they and, absolutely shut Connor McDavid down. Connor had zero points last night in the game one. But I mean, Connor hasn't been able to get it done in playoffs before, as we've seen. And now. Maybe it's carrying over. My thing is, is I feel like if Winnipeg wins game two, I feel like the series could turn south for the Oilers real fast. Because the thing is, though, is like it go, it just goes to show with how the Oilers are. If you find a way to take McDavid and Dreisaitl away from the game, the Oilers are just complete garbage. And it's sad to say that considering the fact that like you look at, it's just sad to say that like, you, you know, you take a look at the Oilers and you think they're a good team, but then in reality, it's like, no, you take away Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl from them. 
they're not good at all. Like Winnipeg as a team is a much better team in my opinion, which is it goes to show like that's why, yeah, I understand that they fell to the three seed, but they were in the two spot in the North for the longest time until McDavid and Dreisaitl kind of just carried the Oilers on their back and took them to the two seed and uh, to end the season. But uh, uh, that's a ser- this is a series now with Winnipeg stealing game one. I feel like Winnipeg could take it to six, could take it to at least six games and maybe win the series now. I agree with that. If, if they can't make it out of – if they lose game two for sure, I think this is a Winnipeg series. I get odds being their favorite at that point. But, um, no, I, I was shocked to see how Winnipeg looked last night. I, I really thought that Edmonton was just going to come in and just rip through them. But after seeing last night, I got a whole different perspective on it. Oh, without a doubt. And now I want to go into our final series. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, and Montreal Canadiens will finally enter the chat as they will – play their first uh, first game in their series tonight. Uh, the first matchup between these two teams in the playoffs since 1979. Uh, game one will obviously be in Toronto because Toronto had the best record in the North and one of the best re- and one of the best records in hockey throughout the regular season. Um, and honestly, how many who's out for Montreal and who is in for Montreal? Because I saw that Brendan Gallagher and Carey Price were in Laval and they were going to come back for game one. But then I saw that Kokiemi is not playing tonight. Is uh, uh, who is uh, oh, what's his name? Is Cole, uh, what's his name? Uh, you know who I'm talking about. Is he playing tonight? Uh, Caulfield, Cole Caulfield. I thought I read something that they were sitting Caulfield tonight, which was an absolute dumb move to me, but I could be wrong. But I could have. I thought I read something that said he wasn't going to be playing tonight. My thing is, is that I don't understand like what's going on in Montreal. But the thing is, though, is like, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to say Montreal isn't like a team like Winnipeg that could steal Game One or anything. But with so, who they have and who they won't have on the ice will definitely play a factor. Because as much as it pains me to say this, this Maple Leafs team is a fairly good team compared to years past yeah. and, and they could make a deep run in the playoffs, potentially going to the cup final if everything falls into their favor. But one thing I do want to point out is this. Also Gallagher is playing tonight. Yes. Gallagher is playing tonight. So that's good. Okay. That's good there. But uh, it all depends on what the outcome of game one is. If Montreal wins game one tonight, surprisingly, they take the series in six. See, I, I just think this trial team is too good. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I would love to see Toronto get knocked out. I know I said they're the favorite coming out of the North in the last podcast, whatever, but I would love to see them get knocked out. It will be a great thing to see. And hockey playoffs, like, it's so much different from the regular season as well as, well as, as, well as basketball is. But it, it's just a different animal. Like, it, the teams are completely – it feels like the teams are completely different. Guys have a little extra pep in their step. I know it's been a long season, but guys seem to have a little extra pep in their step. Hockey playoffs just get guys fired up, and I would love to see the Habs take the series over the Leafs. My thing is, is I feel like, I like I said, I feel like if the Habs steal Game One or even Game Two, they don't have, they don't need, to, they don't need to win both. They just I, yeah, if, they, if they go, if they go home with one win, this series is looking a lot different. It, it ends in six in Montreal, and Montreal takes it. And this is why Montreal takes the series in six. They will win in front of fans. Montreal is going to be ha- – Montreal announced that uh, that 2,500 people will be, allowed, 
at the Bell Center for game six, if it goes to game six. So I feel like that the motivation of fans being at the Bell Center, whereas Toronto won't have any fans because Ontario is still on lockdown and and there won't be a lead and you can't you can't go from province to province and you can't travel yeah. like you can here south in the united states so leafs fans are going to be watching their team from home and if the series goes to six there's going to be 2500 lucky bastards in the bell center and i still want to say to my i still see and people still, don't understand how crazy these canadian fans are for hockey either it is a completely different animal than it is in the states Hockey is what they know and love up there. Whereas it's in the religion. States, exactly. It's where in the States we have plenty of different sports, and hockey is not very popular in the States. Whereas in Canada, that crowd will be fired up, and if they do go to six gym, you are right. Montreal will take the series just based on the fact that those fans will be fired up, and that will probably be one of the loudest buildings. It will sound like a full stadium somewhere. It'll sound like a full arena, just like, and it'll be just like you. If it'll just be like the Knicks uh, for playoff basketball for the Knicks, it'll be the same thing. Because well, when you talk about, yeah, when you talk about Mon- uh, hockey, it's religion in Montreal. And I was getting ready to say the Montreal form because my dad talks about how my dad talks about like the uh, Montreal Canadiens teams of the seventies and eighties and even <laughs> the nineties when they played in the form. Uh, you know, when they had LaFleur and Plant and uh, Richard, the Richard brothers and uh, yeah. Wah and all those guys. Uh, Rocket you know, Richard. Yes, Mar- Maurice the Rocket Richard. See, honestly, if honestly, if I want, based on how my dad has talked to me about the Montreal Canadiens, you'd think he would be a Habs fan, but he's not. He's just the, He just loves hockey. And the same thing with me. If it wasn't for the fact that I was a Sabres fan living and living and growing up in Buffalo, I probably would have been a Montreal Canadiens fan just because of how much, you know, I've heard and learned about them uh, and just, you know, the talk about them because of how they're hockey royalty. I mean, but, that's where you want to play. Like if you're if you're like a hockey lover and like if you were lucky enough to make it to the NHL, that is a city you would want to play in just because those fans love hockey. It's like Europeans with their soccer. It's all they have. Exactly, exactly. Without a doubt, there. Uh, that's with that there, and I mean, you know, that. With that being said, you know, the NHL playoffs. There's nothing like playoff hockey. There, there's nothing like playoff hockey. Um, playoff basketball comes close, but it doesn't come close to playoff hockey. Um, uh, but with that being said, I kind of want to move into uh, one of our last topics here. Uh, and go into soccer before we go into our final thoughts. Uh, we've got two finals in European club f- soccer that will be happening. Uh, the Europa League final and then the Champions League final. Uh, just want to preview those quickly before we go into our final thoughts. Uh, we'll start with the Europa League final where Manchester United, my team, will be taking on Villarreal of uh, the Spanish La Liga. Uh, that will take place on Wednesday the 26th. And the game will be in Gdansk, Poland. Um, honestly, before I go into me being a little biased here, uh, what what do you think will happen in the game? What do you think? How do you think the game's going to turn out? What do you think is going to happen here? Well, as much as it sucks to say, if you guys don't win the Europa League final, Manchester United will be the laughing stock of European football, or at least English football, in my opinion. Right, I, 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 I I think you guys should win this game easily. Varela Royale isn't that great of a team. 
I mean, I, I just don't see how you guys lose this game, to be honest. I mean, I'm going to I mean, I get they finished, they finished top of Group I in the Europa League, um, but with only one draw. But, I mean, it's the Europa League. You guys play – they play some shitters on Thursday night football, um, which I, I wouldn't understand because I watch Liverpool on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Uh, oh, you're going to be I'll, watching – you're going to be watching there. the Thursday night soon. But, don't you but worry. I, but I will – I will uh, – no, I think I think you agree with me that if you guys lose this final, um, if Solskjaer can't get it done, I think you guys will be the laughing stock of English football for the least part. Uh, well, I mean, we still compete in the EPL with Arsenal and Tottenham, so laughing stock is a bit – is a bit far off there, but well, I wouldn't. I, I, you know what I'm saying, though. I mean, it would be a failure. It would be, yeah, it would definitely be a failure. I mean, um, I, you know, Varela isn't that good, and you guys, I think, just stack up way too well against them. I'm gonna be honest with you. I have no, I, I, I don't pay attention to the Spanish La Liga because I don't get BN Sports, and with BN Sports, uh, and so I haven't watched La Liga all season. I have no idea about Villarreal. I know that they're managed by four, by Unai Emery. I mean, they're has, they're sitting seventh right now in Spanish. If you are curious, yeah, they're, they're sitting they're, in seventh place in, in La Liga, in La which, Liga is, so. which is pretty decent for them, given the fact that how how they compare to uh, other top clubs in La Liga. But yeah, I, I they're managed by Unai Emery, who won the Europa League with Sevilla in the pa- in the past. He took a an Arsenal team that was subpar to the fight to the Europa League final just two seasons ago, where he, they ended up losing to Chelsea. Um, uh, but I was taking a look at the Villarreal squad. They're not bad. And honestly, they're, like, they're... there's some names on here, but the thing is, though, like, if you took a look at the squad for this team, like, you think that they'd be good maybe in like 2014 or 2015. Yeah, that's the I, issue. I was going to take a look. Like, you've got Ramiro Fuenos, Funes Mori, your old buddy, Liverpool legend, Liverpool friend, Alberto Moreno. Yeah, um, I was going to say, don't call him a legend. <laughs> your old Liverpool legend. Just kidding. He is not. You've got former Watford player Etienne Capu. Uh, Francis Coughlin plays for Villarreal. I had no idea that he did. Um, uh, then you've got Carlos Baca and Paco Alcacer. And uh, Gerard Moreno is some of the attackers that they have. And honestly, I didn't even know like half of these. Play- I didn't know these players played for Villarreal. I'm not going to be. I'm going to be completely honest. With it must you be like I the retirement club in the Spanish league. Probably. I mean, it's kind of it's their it's their last major move before they all moved down my last. So let's be honest here. But um, <laughs> uh, uh, honestly, I had no idea about Villarreal. Um, the game is in six days time as we're recording this. Uh, like I like we said, uh, I would be very disappointed if United lose the final. I very will. I will be very much disappointed. I would be disappointed for you. Uh, I mean, uh, the only thing is, though, this is why we're here's why we're gonna win. It's not at Old Trafford. We have the best away record in the world in world football for the most part, barring a couple losses. But we are like pretty much just treated like an away game in the Premier League, and we should win. That is true. We should win. Don't but, like Liverpool is coming to Old Trafford. Don't, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll treat it like Liverpool is coming to Old Trafford in the FA Cup. But uh, oh, fuck uh, off. <laughs> but uh, now I want to go into just quickly preview the Champions League final, which is due to take place in uh, just a few days after that on Saturday, the 29th of May, uh, which is between two more English Premier League clubs, uh, Chelsea and Manchester City. Chelsea will be seeking their 
second Champions League title, and it will be their third final uh, that they will be appearing in. Manchester City, it will be their first final that they are in, and they will be seeking their first Champions League title as well. And these two teams are familiar with each other. They played each other twice in the Premier League. They played each other in an FA Cup semi, and they played each other in an FA Cup semifinal as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be their fourth meeting between the teams this season. And honestly, I feel like, you know, as soccer fans of English, of English soccer and fans of the Premier League, you and I both know, like, what to expect from this game. But I feel like it'll be just a little bit more intense than how they typically play in the Premier League. What do you yeah. think? Oh, uh, yeah. Clearly, both teams know each other, having played each other three times this season. Um, the big thing is for me, Man City has won two of the or two times this year, and they beat City on the last two times that they have seen them this season. They beat them one nil in the semi cup finals of the FA Cup, and they just had beat them two to one in the Premier League uh, on the eighth of May. So I am praying to God. I can't. I will not want to see Man City win a Champions League final. I don't care if they never win a final in uh, this club's history. Um, but um, no, I really, I just think Pep's been there. He knows what to do. Um, but I think Tuchel is also a great manager. So I, I really hope to see Chelsea win this cup. I think both teams stack up very well against each other, in my opinion. Both have attacking threats. Um, both are, for the most part, solid defensively barring some games. But I think this is a very good final for the Champions League final. I mean, clearly it shows that the Premier League wasn't isn't a farmer's league as everyone thought it was this year, just based on the fact that big teams were losing to little teams, whatever. But it just goes to show uh, English football dominance with United playing in the Europa League final, and, and it is a English League uh, Champions League final. So, um, I don't know, I just really hope Chelsea wins this game. I, it just worries me because Chelsea is just so strong in every aspect of their game. I mean, from the goaltender all the way up to their strikers, they're very solid. But um, I really hope to see Chelsea win this game, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, like you said, like we know what to expect from Chelsea uh, against Man City, given the fact that they've played each other four times. I would love to see, obviously, as a Man United fan, I would love to see Chelsea win too. I mean, it's tough. I mean, it's tough for both of us trying to root for one of these two teams, but we both can agree that we don't want Manchester City to win the Champions League because obviously we know that they would have bought their way to the Champions League, much like if PSG were to have won it last (laughs) season. Uh, and honestly, like that's something that we just can't we just can't have happen, honestly, not just as uh, fans of Man United and Liverpool, but also just as fans of the game, too. Like we really don't need uh, we really don't need to, you know, see and hear about uh, Manchester City. Like, you know, oh, how they've become this big club finally after winning the Champions League, when in reality they've had really no history for no history for the most part up until the last part of uh the uh, early of early 2010s uh, exactly. going up until now. So I think that in terms of how the teams are stacked up, obviously like both teams like have their attacking threats and their defense. I think that city's defense is just a little bit better than yeah. Chelsea's defense, mainly because of how Ruben Diaz has been playing this season. And I feel like if Ruben Diaz, uh, Ruben Diaz ha- can just have a rock solid performance in the f- at center back for City. I feel like it's going to be a pain for Chelsea to uh, try and exploit that. But the thing is, though, is that to- Thomas Tuchel is a great manager. His players will find a way. 
Um, uh, one thing for uh, our listeners too is that uh, we will have at least one American playing in the Champions League final. So uh, if you care to uh, follow the United States, uh, yeah, there will be an American winner. That's for sure. There will be an American, but at winner, least one, yeah. at least one, saying some time, hopefully. Hopefully, bar, bar I, I any idiotness from Tuchel, there yeah. will be uh, Pulisic. <laughs> Tuchel, 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 same thing. No, no, I was saying Duchel. Oh like, yeah, you know, douchebag. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, but um, Duchel, Duchel, sees some time because he has been an absolute sub for Chelsea this year. Not just me being an American soccer fan and wants to see our guy could do good. Every time he has made an appearance, he has looked solid, and he has. He has said it himself that he's been disappointed with his lack of playing time. So hopefully he gets hopefully he gets some playing time there. Maybe he'll get the start. I doubt it, but it'll be nice to see him in a Champions League final and show some pride for American football. I feel like Pulisic could be an impact make an impact in the Champions League final, whether he starts or if he comes off the bench. He always seems to be like that big game player. Uh, he had last se- last season at pro- after Project Restart uh, when they uh, restarted the league season. He uh, he came out like a ball of fire. He scored uh, the goal that eventually helped Liverpool win their Premier League title. Uh, he scored the goal for che- Chelsea's goal in the FA Cup final that they lost to Arsenal before he came before he came off injured. He uh, assisted Mason Mount uh, this season in the uh, semifinals against Real Madrid uh, to eventually seal their place in the final. So I feel like Pulisic kind of like has those big game moments where he's kind of like really not afraid of anything. So hopefully, so hopefully maybe Tuchel sees that and can also finally and you know maybe start him but I, w- I would love to see him play the whole 90 minutes if he starts don't start him and take him off after 70 uh if you do plan on like having him play a limited amount of time uh, like less than 90 minutes like have him come in at like the 60th 65th minute mark and like you know have that super sub role but for american soccer fans that listen to the podcast that's something to watch for too you know uh I will be on Pulisic watch, Pulisic watch. Uh, Jake will be on Pulisic watch. Uh, honestly, all American media will be on Pulisic watch because uh, the game will be on CBS. So uh, with the with the big American network covering the Champions League final like that, obviously they're going to push hard for uh, the American players, uh, as well as Zach Steffen, even though uh, he will most likely be on the bench barring any injury to Ederson. But uh, again, I think Chelsea will win the final. Uh, for the Champions League, and hopefully Man United win the Europa League final. And it'll just go to show that English football is kind of like returning to its glory days of dominance in European football like they had in the uh, early two, like they had in the mid to late 2000s. I mean, even two years ago, we had both finals were all English. All English finals. Yeah. So hopefully English football can continue this dominance. I mean, I think everyone has kind of known this, that like clearly like the big clubs and other other countries are money clubs, but I think it just goes to show how tough this Premier League is. It's actually to play in. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt for sure. Um, uh, but I just wanted to touch base on that and uh, kind of want to just go into some final thoughts here before we conclude the podcast. Uh, I want to talk about the uh, Premier League Hall of Fame inductees that have that were fine that were announced uh, over the past couple of days. On a previous podcast, we had mentioned about how Alan Shearer and Thierry Henry were the first two inductees and that six more would be inducted along with them. 
And over the past few days, uh, the other six were announced being uh, Manchester United legends, Eric Cantona, Roy Keane and David Beckham, uh, Chelsea legend Frank Lampard, Arsenal legend Dennis Bergkamp, and uh, your favorite uh, player, uh, possibly for Liverpool and Liverpool legend Steven Gerrard. And um, two things here. I just want your take on everything. And also, I'm ready for the banter about skulls. I've been preparing for it. I know you've been waiting for it to give me the banter about how schools did not join Lamps, Lampard and Gerard in this inaugural class. I know you're ready to say it. Well, I mean, I think it goes to show I've been telling you for a long time. Clearly, Gerard was the better player. Well, <laughs> zero you, titles. Slippy G. Well, I mean, he's in the Hall of Fame for a reason. Slippy so G. Slippy G. <laughs> no, he, he, clearly, he clearly got inducted for a reason. I mean, maybe it can shut your argument up now because now I am clearly the right one on this end of this argument other than you are. But I agree with everyone that was inducted. I mean, Kanta clearly deserved, I think. I think he was a part of my six that I picked on our last podcast. Yes, but, uh, we I think both picked, I, I, we picked Lampard. Uh, I remember I'm pretty sure I picked Birdcamp. So I think I agree with everyone who was inducted. I mean, clearly all of the other players as well who weren't inducted now will be inducted within the next year or two. Um, without a doubt, in my opinion, they, yes. they really shaped the game for English football and made it what it is today. So, I mean, just congratulations to all of them. But I, like you said, Stevie G got inducted, Trolls didn't. So, I mean, fuck off. Uh, you know who the real legend is. Yeah, uh, yeah, the one that slipped. The one that slipped. And uh, it doesn't matter. He's court. he's holding up. He's holding up a title now. He just got the Premier League, and he just won. He just won. The, oh, the Scottish. He just won the Scottish Premier League with. The Rangers, so yes, yes, yes. No, the one surprise, honestly, all of these players are worthy. Eventually, their time will come. Um, I don't know how the voting process was done. I, I think it was I voted by people. Like I know there was a fan vote. I think there was a players' vote as well. Um, Cantona obviously deserves it because he's the uh, he was the first star of the Premier League. Lampard and Gerrard deserve it because they're two of the greatest midfielders the Premier League ever saw. Um, uh, Roy. I'm not. I'm actually surprised that Burkamp, Keen, and Beckham were. I'm shocked at Beckham as well. Just this early. Yes, this early. My thing. I'm not. I'm not shocked about Burkamp. I'm not. I'm a little shocked, mate, just being in the first first one. I thought that they would have have at least. I was waiting for a defender. I'm surprised that the defender wasn't picked. Uh, I would have thought maybe like, you know, John Terry or Ashley Cole would have been taken as the defender, but I'm fine with all six. Roy King coming in kind of surprises me because, you know, yeah, he was a great premier. He was a great player, not only for United, but also just in the Premier League as a whole, because he ended up playing one season with Nottingham Forest before he came to United. And that's kind of just how that's how we knew how great he would be was before he came to United. But I'm a little shocked that like he was put in in the first in the first like induction class along with Beckham. But at the same time, because of how influential they both of them were, and even Dennis Bergkamp in the early days of the Premier League, uh, in the early days of the Premier League, like Cantona, it just goes to show that, like, you know, you kind of like everybody will get in in terms of all those nominees, but just because of like, you know, where they retired and like their impact, like in the early days of the league, that's why they were put in now. Yeah. In my opinion, whereas Skulls like had. The longer career, like Lampard and Gerrard. Um, uh, this wasn't as good. <clears throat> sorry, sorry, this slipped up. 
Yeah, oh, slipped up, kind of like Steven Gerrard did. Yeah, fair enough there. Oh, fair fuck. enough there. I set myself <laughs> up for that one. You walked right into that one. But, uh, I mean, you know, honestly, we can all agree on one thing here. All of these players will get into the Premier League Hall of Fame before Ryan Giggs, and I want to leave it on that. They won't let Giggs in. They will not let Giggs in as long, for, at least for probably five years, given everything that's going on. But uh, uh, yeah, I, yeah, just barring everything that went on. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. That's it, it'll be, it'll be a t- it will be a tough look for the PL if they put him in right away. So uh. <laughs> uh, I think gas prices will hit below three dollars before Giggs is put in the in the Premier League Hall of Fame. Yeah, fu- it's up to fucking three oh nine by me now. I'm ready to start walking <laughs> to work every day. <laughs> oh god! But with that being said, do you have any final thoughts before we conclude today's podcast, sir? Um, no, I'm just watching it now. The uh, Florida Panthers are currently up 2 nothing right now. Games just dropped, so go Cats. Hopefully they can pick up game three, go down 2-1. to one. Um, Oh, what? Uh, are they on NBCSN? USA. Uh, I got to find USA here because it's not what it is in Buffalo. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I'm still focusing on the PGA right now, so I was watching that, but I know that's going to end soon. Yeah, no, uh, no other thoughts from me, another good podcast. Um. Uh, thankfully, Stevie G got in because I probably would have been pissed off if uh, he didn't get in on the first bidding. Oh, I but, think uh, the banter – oh, if, if Skulls got in and Stevie G didn't, uh, the banter would be right at you uh, from me just like you gave it. So. I would have I would, I would, I left the podcast. <laughs> yeah. The, the I mean, you, you got, you got, you got uh, two or – no, three players in. I got three players you in. You got three. I got, I got one in, so. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, the, the, the three, like uh, – yeah, it can't be the Man United Premier League Hall of Fame. I mean, let's be honest here. I mean, that's, uh, I mean, that's the uh, you and Liverpool are the biggest clubs in English football. So exactly, it can't be the United and Liverpool uh, Hall of Fame. It's the Premier League Hall of Fame for a reason. But exactly, uh, I have no final thoughts there. Um, uh, with anything else. With that being said, that concludes another great episode of the Lonely Heart Sports Podcast. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at Lonely Heart Sports Podcast. Uh, we're trying to figure out uh, how to put more content on the socials. Uh, we're in the process of making a Twitter account, uh, and we will let you know when we do that. Uh, we're working on trying to uh, figure out who's going to run the handle and everything. Uh, probably be shared, you know, share some content there uh, in terms of our podcast, as well as some news that goes on in the sports world that you may or may not know about that uh, the mainstream media talks about. Uh, but with that being said, there, um, uh, uh, once again, that concludes the podcast. Uh, you know, I'm just happy to continue to keep doing this with you. Uh, And until the next episode, everybody just keep on rocking in the free world.